Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Sean. Kia ora. And today we are discussing chapter 24 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. In chapter 24, Henry Crawford continues his pursuit of Fanny, starts to make little inroads, decides to stay indefinitely. William comes back to England and then in quick succession arrives at Mansfield, gets to go hunting with Mr. Crawford and Mr. Crawford said, you can use one of my horses the whole time you're here. Which is quite an offer. It is. And it says something about that. Sir Thomas knew the value of it more than his nephew. Because only rich playboys really got to have hunters. They're very expensive animals. Normally you would not trust an unknown rider with one of your expensive horses. And there's no evidence at this point that William can ride well. Apart from his stories, his grand stories. But but his stories are talking about riding mules and pack horses. So there's no evidence that he's actually capable of handling a hunter, which it's a different animal, it's a different beast. The chapter starts with Henry Crawford first checking that the coast is clear of the rest of his family, showing he is discreet and knows that what he's doing is wrong. Telling his sister his plan is to make Fanny Price in love with him. I cannot be satisfied without Fanny Price without making a small hole in Fanny Price's heart. He cannot be satisfied with both cousins. Mary says, the truth is, she is the only girl in company for you to notice, and you must have a somebody. It is your own idleness and folly. He goes on about, I was trying to please her and it wasn't working. And Mary goes, oh, this is what it is. Her not caring about you. That's what makes her attractive to you. She tries to speak for Fanny. I do desire that you will not be making her really unhappy. She is as good a little creature as ever lived and has a great deal of feeling. But then she leaves Fanny to her fate. This always reminds me of the book Dangerous Liaisons. I actually just read an article comparing the two. It is absolutely, it's the two of them, only slightly reversed. The uh, Lothario and the Countess, and this innocent that succumbs to his wiles and ends up in a monastery. Not monastery, rather, nunnery, I think. (laughs) It's just exactly the same behaviours. He's doing this for his own entertainment. There's this element, I think, of self-deception. This is good for her to have this, you know, know that somebody finds her attractive. But he's really just trying to justify keeping himself entertained and the challenge. He likes the challenge. And he's also realised she's now 18 and she is blossoming into a very pretty young woman. Whereas before she was always going to be outshadowed by her cousins and Mrs Norris, who had, in Thomas's absence, held sway over constantly talking her down. She's now coming into her own. And she's now this really rather interesting character because she's not falling for him. Why not? It does make her fascinating. She is not like every other woman he has met. I believe Mary later tells Fanny that she had many friends who were dying for Henry. He is a charming gentleman. I've read a sequel where he does marry Fanny. It would be interesting to see where he would move to from here. I know what Jane Austen says about it, but just how potentially could have developed if somebody else had written a sequel about it? Was this the making of it? Jane Austen 
has some interesting thoughts here. Does, doesn't she? There's quite a bit of the author's introspection. She says, I, I have no inclination to believe Fanny, one of those unconquerable young ladies of 18, as are never to be persuaded into love against their judgment. She thinks that had not Fanny's heart been guarded, in spite of there being some previous ill opinion of him to be overcome, had not her affection been engaged elsewhere, she probably would have fallen for him. And even so, she began to dislike him less than formerly. This is pointing to a particular idea the Disney fantasy of mononormativity, that you can only love one person at a time. Because Fanny loves Edmund, therefore she is not capable of loving anybody else. We know demonstrably this is not true. You love people differently. You do. You see people who are traumatized when they're in relationships, they find themselves attracted to somebody else, they think they're a horrible person. This is a natural human response to be attracted to people. And you might fall in love with someone else. What you do about that is your choice. You can love someone and not act on it. You can act on it. You can leave the person that you currently love to be with the new person that you love. You can come to a different arrangement where maybe the three of you are all together. Who knows? But we have this really damaging myth that you are only capable of loving one person at once. And Jane Austen appears to buy into that. I'm not totally sure of that. Because I think what she's also referring to is the fact that Fanny has observed his behaviour. But she does say, despite her previous ill opinion, had not her affection been engaged elsewhere... As far as Fanny was aware, there was no reciprocal relationship between her and Edmund. While she had a strong affection, loved Edmund, she was aware of his affection for Mary and she didn't hold any particular hope of anything coming of it. So I don't necessarily think of it as being the reason why she couldn't have fallen for Henry at all, only in as much as she would be comparing him to Edmund, potentially. She was still free. She hadn't given herself up to no hope of a future or anything without Edmund. It's not like she was already married to Edmund and was being seduced. I wonder whether that is what she really meant. So you think that what she means is Henry Crawford will never stand up in comparison to Edmund? Or he's got a long way to go to prove it. So he's got a big hurdle to get over particularly because of his previous behaviour, but it's not insurmountable if he's consistent. You talked about Fanny's love for Edmund not being reciprocated. I would say at that point Edmund didn't realise how he loved Fanny Mm -hmm. because I think he was still starstruck by Mary's vitality. Fanny's starting to blossom. Now, up till now, Edmund's really only ever thought of Fanny as his little sister. Or his little cousin. And it would be creepy to be in love with his sister. Yes. At this point, Edmund is still not thinking of her as a love interest. But he does love her. I used to have a belief. I don't think it's what I believe anymore. That real love, I hesitate to say true love because that has other meanings, has to be reciprocated. 
that if you're thinking of love as like a ball, it's not something one person holds. It's something that like sits between the people. Therefore, unreciprocated love would be a ball that one person holds as opposed to it being between them. Therefore, it's not real. I also think there's different types of love and love can blossom over time. I don't think you can truly love somebody until you're a real friend because then you've got to be able to accept the warts and all. And I think a lot of romantic love, you actually ignore those warts, potentially based more on lust and various other factors that might be going on in your life that makes you want to love that person. I truly believe Edmund loves oh, Fanny. He does yeah, it does. Fanny. Again, because of her age and her maturity. I don't think there's any dreams of her marrying Edmund. So, that would be going too far. Exactly. So I don't think that she has any expectations of anything happening. But at the moment, he's her model. So to me, that's why Henry did have a chance. But at the moment, he's still very superficial. But he's now seeing her blossom truly with someone that she is totally and utterly open with. And that's her brother, William. And who also respects her and isn't patronising to her. How I used to believe was that unreciprocated love was more like obsession, whereas a shared love was love. When there is no form of reciprocation, it can become obsession, because otherwise it's an addiction. You see it on the news, those partners who can't cope, you often see it from husbands who end up killing their wives because they've chosen to leave them. There's probably as many women who are, um, they might not go out and murder, but then fall apart differently because everything's bound up in this one. And there's a similarity here between Fanny watching Henry Crawford and how Anne watches Mr Elliot and how she notices he seems to portray somebody different to whomever he's talking about. He's always playing a part and she doesn't really know who he is until she actually hears about how he treated her friend, Mr Smith, and that was yet another role he's played which didn't match with the other roles he'd played up till that point. And so I see a similarity between Anne and Fanny in terms of their observational powers of behaviours. Who is this person really? Because they're not the same depending upon who they're with. So is it all an act or is any of it an act or is any of it real? Because she's older and becoming a little bit more confident in herself, she can enjoy the attention a little bit more, providing it's not too florid and having the conversations and that. But she's still got that underlying... But who is Henry Crawford? Because he behaved like this with the others. But she will reward any kindness to her brother. To a certain extent, we all show different facets of ourselves, depending on who we're spending time with. But these guys don't seem to have any consistency. Well, I think also these guys don't realise how they're being observed by smart women. By women, in fact, that they've tended to underestimate. Mr. Crawford really goes out to attempt to work on Fanny. He makes effort. He has decided that he will start looking at the naval news to learn more about her brother. He'd only just learnt about her brother and then discovers that his ship has arrived in England and he's so excited. He fully intended to do the league work for this. And he's got a lot of admirable qualities. I think if he ever found somebody he truly... Gave a damn about? Gave a damn about. 
And potentially he could have with Fanny. He isn't an indolent character. He's just a self-indulgent character. Mr Rushworth's the indolent and he's got no drive. But Henry Crawford and also Mr Elliot, once his wife come along with the money and he had the money, he wasn't a wastrel. He didn't waste it. He looked after it. He was quite determined. They were not stupid. They were just very self-absorbed products of their upbringing, really. The other thing, of course, is that he would have had exposure to the Navy through his admiral uncle. Yes, which is why he kept the naval news, Mm. which is how he knew that William's ship had come in. So he rushes up to tell Fanny the news. She's already got a letter from William telling her. William arrives. She's so excited. There's a beautiful scene of her waiting on the stairs. And the first minutes of exquisite feeling had no interruption and no witnesses. The two siblings are so happy to see each other. Even though Mrs. Norris really (laughs) wants to go and interfere. (laughs) But both Sir Thomas and Edmund tell her to stay where she is. She's finally getting her comeuppance. And later on, she is again fidgeting about the room and disturbing everybody when William's trying to tell a story. Interestingly, she did the same thing when Sir Thomas came home. Yes, she did. I need to be the centre of attention. You're in the middle of a great story. But do you want some tea? Fanny had never known so much felicity in her life. Unchecked, equal fearless with a brother and friend. And they have so many of the same thoughts and memories. And they have the same opinions of people at Mansfield, except he has more noisy abuse of their Aunt Norris. (laughs) It's been seven years since Fanny and William Mm. have been together. And they have kept up their relationship by correspondence. Which, as we know, Jane also did wrote many, many letters to her brothers who were in the Navy. Francis and Charles were both in the Navy, one older and one younger. Yes. She remained close to them all the way through the life, as opposed to her relationship with her brother who was adopted into the Knight family, Edward. He obviously tried to keep a relationship, but was limited by his wife's, Elizabeth's, reluctance to share, which was very similar to the Dashwoods. So you've got all these parallels, I think which come through, how you have this closeness and you've got people that can remember your childhood with. She's had nobody to talk about her childhood with, apart from William. You know, can you remember when we were little and, you know, your tooth fell out? It's the kind of thing that you do do with people that are close family. I do it now when I go back and see my brother and sister. It's almost unthinkable now that you would spend seven years away from your family, away from your country of origin that you still considered home he's been living on a ship for seven years by the sounds of things that ship has not come back to england he's been to lots of other places but he himself appears to have basically been from ship to mediterranean to eastern and that's another interesting thing he would have that in common would be able to talk to sir thomas Thomas about his experiences in west indies Henry Crawford is super excited about the relationship between William and Fanny because it makes him no longer in doubt of the capabilities of her heart. And to see her with such genuine love 
he realises that it would be something to be loved by such a girl. I think this is the first time he actually sees her for the treasure that she is. Instead of him making a hole in her heart like he plans, she does that to him. And completely and utterly unknowingly. His stay becomes indefinite. He thinks William is great and realises that his own habits of selfish indulgence appear in shameful contrast. His next thought is, actually, it's kind of nice to be rich and here I can let him borrow one of my hunters. This doesn't look good. But Fanny is really nervous about William going hunting and eventually feels the obligation to Mr. Crawford for lending the horse, which he had fully intended it should produce. Mm. He may be doing a nice thing for William. He's doing it for himself. That is our summary of Chapter 24 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!